Welcome to Cardio Radio, a podcast of the Ohio Cardiovascular and Diabetes Health Collaborative, also known as Cardio. This is Dr. Michael Constant from the Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine, and I serve as a principal investigator for Cardio, a statewide network of Ohio's seven medical schools. Cardio is funded by the Ohio Department of Medicaid and shares best practices to improve cardiovascular health and diabetes outcomes and to eliminate health disparities in Ohio's Medicaid population. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. I am Elise Karen, podcast lead for Cardio's Team Best Practices and Associate Professor of Medicine at Case Western Reserve University. Today's podcast will explore how shared medical or group medical appointments can be a viable alternative to individual face-to-face appointments for patients with diabetes. Of course, in our current era of COVID pandemic precautions, it should be clearly stated from the outset that this model requires that providers and patients be fully vaccinated. With me today is Sharon Watts. Dr. Watts has her nursing doctorate from Case Western Reserve University and has worked exclusively in the field of diabetes for the past 22 years. She has worked as a certified diabetes educator for 19 years and as a family nurse practitioner for over 36 years. She serves as the National Advisor for the Veterans Health Administration Office of Nursing Services Metabolic Syndrome and Diabetes Field Advisory Committee and is active on the VHA Choosing Wisely Hypoglycemia Safety Committee, Virtual Diabetes National Education, Shared Decision-Making Committee, Veterans Administration, Department of Defense, Diabetes Guidelines Committee, and other federal interagency workforce committees. Locally, Dr. Watts leads Cleveland's Inpatient Diabetes Joint Commission certification with the Cleveland VA recognized as the first VA in the nation to receive this certification. She is active in diabetes quality improvement research and has published articles on diabetes, including health literacy, diabetes prevention, and inpatient diabetes. Welcome, Dr. Watts. Thanks, Elise. It's so great to be here and talk about shared medical appointments. Dr. Watts, what is a shared medical appointment? So that's a great place to get started. Uh, There's a lot of confusion about shared medical appointments, but really they're just a group modality option to a provider visit for diabetes. Instead of a one-on-one visit with your doctor, nurse practitioner, or physician assistant, patients will be meeting in a group with other patients with diabetes and possibly other members of the healthcare team. Many people with diabetes struggle with some of the same issues, and therefore they can help each other overcome these barriers. Some common things are like barriers to diet, remembering to take medications, fear of low blood sugars, or just being tired of living with diabetes from day to day. Studies have found sharing in a group can help with this. Shared medical appointments may also include a dietitian, a counselor, pharmacist, psychologist, as well as the doctor or nurse practitioner or physician assistant. All these team members are there to help synergistically. Most people enjoy shared medical appointments, but they may not be for everyone. So we tell patients just to let their providers know their preference. Why should we use diabetes group appointments or shared medical appointments? What does this model of care delivery help address that the traditional clinic model does not? So there's several things that these shared medical appointments can address. Today, despite our acknowledged goal of improving quality of care and outcomes for patients with diabetes, we have little to show for our efforts. 
Evidence has shown by Vasquez and Benitez in 2015 that only a minority of patients achieve good control across multiple critical domains for the population, including things like blood glucose control, blood pressure, lipids, and tobacco cessation. Diabetes at its core is a patient self-managed disease state in collaboration with an informed healthcare team, and it's facilitated by intermittent, often hurried one-on-one face-to-face clinic appointments, unfortunately, that are under financial constraints of the fee-for-service reimbursement model. Diabetes shared medical appointments, on the other hand, provide support to patients who need this more intensive approach, and it enables effective group discussion, group education, peer support, pharmacological management, in addition to improved provider efficiency, as documented from Drake in 2019. For example, in the group setting, you can have a thoughtful discussion around the 15-15 hypoglycemia rule for the treatment of hypoglycemia. And this happens only once in the group and then doesn't have to be repeated by the provider one-on-one all the time. You can make sure that everyone gets it. Many clinicians may be skeptical that diabetes shared medical appointments put the traditionally confidential information exchanged between healthcare providers and patients at risk, and as a result, could rupture a central premise of the therapeutic relationship. What do you tell providers with these concerns? This is a concern that I've heard in the past, but what I tell people is that first and foremost, maintaining confidentiality is the responsibility of the healthcare providers, but it's also the right of the patients. Therefore, patients need to be fully informed prior to being invited to participate in a shared medical appointment. You can do this verbally or in writing upon inviting the patient to participate prior to this group appointment. HIPAA does not prevent patients from discussing their personal information voluntarily in a group setting. Many advocates of shared medical appointments including the American Academy of Family Physicians, suggest having patients sign a confidentiality form if you're concerned about this and a HIPAA disclosure form prior to the appointment. These confirm that the patient has the right to be seen by the provider either in this group or individually and confirms their patient rights will be maintained throughout the appointment and that participation is always voluntary. These types of documents are downloadable from the multiple internet sites facilitating the implementation of shared medical appointments. What is the evidence that diabetes shared medical appointments are effective? So there's a lot of literature out there about diabetes shared medical appointments. And this body of evidence uh, that currently exists shows that these are effective interventions to facilitate patients meeting their glycemic goals and improving their diabetes outcomes. So we did a, a fair amount of work ourselves at the Cleveland VA, and we found that our patients, we invite patients who have A1Cs over 9%. We are getting at the patients who failed the routine sources of care, and we still saw a reduction of uh, 1% A1C lowering. And our patient satisfaction was great. 
uh, other sources like Cora Cabela's group and Loma Linda and David Edelman's systematic review have all shown a net improvement in glycemic control among patients participating in shared medical appointments. And there's many others. In fact, more pertinent to today's practice, back in 2016, Takuda showed glycemic benefits for patients participating in video or telehealth shared medical appointments, which some people are doing now during the pandemic. The evidence is not only limited to physicians or nurse practitioners or physicians' assistants as well. In 2011, Tiveria discussed improved outcomes in a pharmacist-led shared medical appointment. In fact, disease management, medication, titration are right in the wheelhouse for clinical pharmacists. Will this effort help the diabetes clinical staff to find more joy caring for their patients? So joy is important. It's so important. We all experience burnout, especially in these pandemic times. I have found through the work with SMAs that they provide an innovative interprofessional venue to address long-standing barriers to glycemic control. We know that providers can experience diabetes distress just like patients can. So there was an article I wrote on self-care and resilience techniques to combat diabetes care and for the education for diabetes educators and specialists dealing with the burnout that we address working long-term with this chronic disease. It's tough. I mean, we don't want to see patients having poor outcomes. And this article was written with a psychologist and talking about the resources. So just having other providers there with you and other clinicians that you can work with, um, that was helpful to know in the shared medical appointments that you can discuss some of the concerns you have. We know from long and short-term uh, consequences of poor diabetes control, we don't want to see that for our patients. We want them to improve. But the work has to be theirs. Um, and shared medical appointments are a good opportunity for discussion of barriers. There's a lot of barriers to care that we as providers may not see or understand until there's an open, frank discussion. So we will already assume the patients have already been to diabetes classes and seen the dietitian for medical nutrition therapy. That's not what a shared medical appointment is. It's getting at the barriers to care and improving outcomes. So it's not a class. It's, it's discussion. And we assume that they already have the knowledge to take care of their diabetes. And it's not knowledge that's lacking. So this is when a team of professionals can come together with different suggestions and options, along with patients providing their input of what might work or might not work for their lives. So we know doing this that as well as patient satisfaction, staff satisfaction is high, participating in shared medical appointments. It provides some uh, diversity, innovation, improved outcome, interprofessional camaraderie. It's also an excellent venue for learning new skills for both students and seasoned staff. So for me to come to a shared medical appointment and see how a pharmacist or a psychologist 
would approach patient concern is a great learning opportunity. What are the fears and concerns for participating in this type of clinic for patients with diabetes, and how do we address these concerns? There's some concerns I've seen in the past. There's concerns about confidentiality and will a patient's own particular needs be met the same as if they were on a one-in-one appointment time? They're afraid they won't have enough time for their own particular needs. So at the start of our shared medical appointment, we discussed confidentiality and suggest that the group keep all information confidential, just like mental health support groups do. It's no different. And then we have providers review individual patient concerns, either in the main group or for a brief review individually after the group session, so that we're sure we address all their particular needs. This allows for closing the loop on those individual concerns. What are the common biases and pitfalls made by clinicians while participating in diabetes shared medical appointments? So when I see new providers come, the biggest problem I see is they want to use the shared medical appointment as a diabetes class instead of a venue for discussion. Um, So I, I make it clear that This is, no, we have diabetes self-management education classes, and we have nutrition appointments. Ostensibly, our patients have already attended those sessions, but they're coming together because they're falling through the cracks, and so we want to use this time as discussion and peer support to look at the barriers to care, why they're not meeting uh, outcomes, if you will, Um, We know from uh, education literature that adults prefer discussion over didactic so that we really use this time to discuss barriers or solutions from the group to help teach and support each other. Chronic diabetes can be tiresome. It's a day-to-day grind for many of our patients. And so we want this time for the participants to be used to help and support each other and provide the help that they need to improve the desired outcome benchmarks that we're looking for. You know, so it doesn't have to be perfect A1Cs, but we don't want A1Cs over nine. And we really try to focus our uh, shared medical appointment invitation to patients with A1Cs who are over nine so that we know that the traditional care approaches haven't been working so well and that this is another approach to use above and beyond. What are common patient types or personalities that are best suited or are ill-suited for this type of clinic? It was hard for us to look at taking individual patients out, and so we've in the past just invited all patients. And then if it's not working out, we take them out right away. But most everyone enjoys our shared medical appointments, uh, and we have a lot of great patient satisfaction data. It's probably easier to answer that question just by saying who is not a good patient or personality to stay in the shared medical appointment. Uh, So that would be our patients with severe mental illness or combative disruptive patients. When a patient is starting to impede the group discussion, we generally take them out for a brief one-on-one provider check. But even some of those patients, it's funny, in my experience in the past, they complain about our shared medical appointment at the beginning, 
And they are the patients who are usually reluctant to graduate and leave the group later on when their diabetes metrics are improved. So in that case, we let them return in a later follow-up, say six months, if that's what they want. But it usually turns out to be that case. How should clinicians go about reassuring their respective administrators that this model of care is worthwhile? So the VA currently um, funds group medical appointments due to the overall clinical value. The evidence is out there to support it. Outside the VA, SMAs can be funded in other ways, including the use of traditional evaluation and management coding. For some clinics, value-based reimbursement models may be possible based on anticipated improvement in outcomes as well. So if you have concerns, additional resources can be found on the Institute for Healthcare Improvement website. There's a group visit starter kit, IHI Institute for Healthcare Improvement. And also you can look at the McCall Center for Healthcare Innovation at Group Health Center for Health Studies. They have critical tools, improving chronic illness care, and that's at Improving Chronic care.org. Thank you to our featured guests for joining us today. Thank you. I so appreciated being here. And a special thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in to Cardio Radio. This concludes today's podcast. Be sure to visit cardio.org to learn more about the Ohio Cardiovascular and Diabetes Health Collaborative.